Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If. Only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Caught Offside with Andrew Gunling and J.J. Devaney. Oh, yes. Caught Offside from just outside of New York City from an apartment in Brooklyn, New York. Andrew Gunling and J.J. Devaney. What's up, brother? Um, Andrew, our, our listeners have, have taken things that we say on the podcast, and now they've made them things. They've oh. made a thing of it. So anytime a Penyanka happens anywhere in the oh, world, yeah. they let us know. So you obviously saw the one you were tagged in at the weekend by the animals on Twitter, or mm-hmm. formerly Twitter, now X, a passage of play in the French second division where the keeper saves the Penyanka and then goes down and scores the winner himself. I mean, that's ultimate Penyanka retribution. Yeah, um, it, it was it was written in the stars that that needed to happen to teach a, you to teach a lesson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was cathartic for you, no doubt. And then the other one is in and around. I love like, that. One. I need like it, well, it's awesome, but it really has kind of infected so much speak that we we see it everywhere. And um, and like if there's some kind of PSA or some leaflet that has in and around, the animals are letting us know. I, I like. I mean, I think it's really really cool. Um, so for example, Matt, uh, Matt sent us this, um, contacting us is easy. This is, um, the London underground, um, and they give, they give their contact details. If after contacting us, you wish to take your comments further, you can contact the independent watchdog for transport users in and around London. I swear if we were rebranding the podcast now and had to come up with a new name, I think the in and the in and around podcast or in and around the podcast, something like that. I, I, yeah, I, I would consider so. it as a new title. I, I mean, it's my fault that we have caught offside. It, it, it's, <laughs> it is my fault. Now we've made the most of it. Boy, have we made the most of it, yeah. but it is my fault because the production meeting we had, I just said it. A former ESPN producer said, fine, I'll call it that. And poor old Andy really didn't get a chance to think about it. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, that's pretty much how I remember it too. I mean, we had been going back and forth, I think for a while. And I think I had just, I, I had like fatigue of trying to think of a name. And so finally you said that, and it was just, okay, fine. If this can end this interminable debate over what we should call it, then let's just end it. Yeah. And, uh, and here we are. 10 but, years it, later. but it never got debated whether that was a good or a bad name. That's true. It, it was, it was a name and ESPN just pushed it right on through. There was yeah, very they, little they oversight. Cared, they uh, cared little for, for anything we did. Uh, what a show we uh, we have coming up for you. There's a lot that happened over the weekend. I should say right out of the gate, you and I were talking before we started recording. I don't know what version of me you're getting tonight. I just witnessed, like everyone who listens to this pod knows me, knows my obsession with Philadelphia sports across the board. I, I just came from my TV set to here and am like still stewing in maybe the worst Phillies loss I've ever seen in my entire effing life. Literally, like, I, I know sometimes I, I have prisoner of the moment syndrome um, and recency buys and all those things. And I, game Definitely. five of the World Series last year was horrifying. Uh, game five in 2011 against the Cardinals, horrifying. I was in fourth grade for the Joe Carter home run, so I remember watching it, but it doesn't hit quite the same way when you're in fourth grade. This loss that the Phillies just had to the Braves, and we'll see how the rest of the series plays out. I can't even believe what what just happened. I cannot believe what just happened and how they lost this game. And I'm not going to go off on a Phillies tangent or a rant. The only thing I'll tie it back to soccer, because this is after all a soccer podcast. Um, The way the game ended, Michael Harris of the Braves with a runner on first and one out in the ninth, he makes basically a leaping catch at the wall. Bryce Harper had taken off to try to score on a play that looked like for sure was going to drop in. And it's an unbelievable catch, the defensive play of the season, probably. And he doubles off Harper to end the game. And texting with my friends afterwards, I said, that's it. I saw it once in real time. I don't care how legendary of a play it is. I'll never see it again. I'll never watch a highlight of that play again the rest of my life. I'll never see it again. And I'm just wondering, JJ, what are those plays for you? We all have them. I mean, from just speaking from right now, it's a baseball fan to a soccer fan, whatever. But like sports fan to sports fan, we all have certain plays in our life that no matter how incredible or legendary they are for neutral sports fans, and they get replayed all the time. We all have those moments that I'll never watch it again. If it comes on, ah, change the channel. Oh yeah, you, you. I'm sure you have those. Oh Jesus, Lord Almighty! Uh, I, I, I think straight away, I, I have not seen, um, I've seen the slip, so many times. The actual slip. Mm-hmm. I have not watched the the full goal rolled into the net. I ha- I haven't. I I I look away. I get to distract myself. What you know because it is shown obviously a lot. Um, don't look at that. That's uh, Stephen Gerrard against Chelsea at Anfield in two thousand and fourteen, and I don't watch. I haven't seen since that day any of the Crystal Palace goals from Istanbul. The comeback. Yeah, I cannot do it. Can't yeah. do it. What's the point? Why? Why put yourself through it? I haven't even watched the Liverpool goals from that game again. Yeah, no, you know, that game never happened as far as I, you can, I, are concerned. I cannot do it. I know there's some Irish ones out there. I've seen, um, I mean, I, I saw Omar Gonzalez's own goal versus Trinidad. I did watch it a second time because I just needed to know how that happened. And after the second time, I said, okay, I've I've seen it twice now. I don't need to see it again. I, I don't ever need to see that goal again the rest of my you life. Watched it, you, you saw it, the last time you watched it was with me in studio six years ago then. That's that's the last time. And boy, are we rolling up on that anniversary. We <laughs> yeah. getting there. We're very close to it. Um, Yeah, so so definitely plays like that. Um, Just 
just total sickeners. You do have to, you know, calm yourself a wee bit because I can't. It just happened. I literally I just came from watching it to do this. I know, but the context is emerging. It's the divisional series there. It's the second game of the divisional series. So we don't know the significance of this yet. And and that will shape in the end how I do feel about this. This may be the most dramatic ending that didn't matter. That might be exactly the way it plays out. Yeah, kind of like the Rays had a win like that against the Dodgers in the in the 2020 World Series where they wound up losing the series, but they had one of the most incredible endings to a baseball game anyone's ever seen. And I hope you're right. I hope that's what happens here. Um, I've never, JJ, I've never gone back to rewatch the battle at the bridge, the Tottenham Chelsea game that gave Leicester city the title. I, I know it was epic. I know that there were what, like Tottenham got like 10 yellows in the game. It was an unbelievable game. I've never, I saw it once and I'll, I'm good. I don't need to see it again. I remember you. I remember that, that evening when we recorded, after it and i think what i remember was how i mean it's not that you were disappointed really you were disappointed obviously but you were very very hyped like aggressively hyped like you've been at the game and the kind of violence like have you well, it was an ad- it was a truly adrenaline fuel yeah. 90 minutes exactly it's it's so amazing uh, and sport is Sport, sport, and 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 maybe really high end, really quality acting in movies and theater. It's amazing how what happens in front of you transfers to the stands because we talk so much about the stands transferring to the pitch, and that can happen too. We're seeing it at Ever- with Everton at Goodison Park, where the tightness of the supporters is going onto the field, but it can go the other way too, and and it can it can just give you all this kind of emotion out of nowhere and and aggression. Like I've left games. Particularly live football, I think it's like a Rovers. Just games where people have been crashing into each other, and you leave, you leave with that adrenaline rushing through you, tingling in your fingertips. Yes, it's, um, it's amazing. So I do, I do understand how you feel, especially directly after after that. But uh, because it's baseball, and because of the way um, series work, you you've got to just pull it back a little bit. Well, we'll see. The Braves are the best team in baseball. And it's a brand new series, and the Phillies. Ha- I mean, Zach Wheeler had a no hitter halfway through this game. Like it was four nothing, and a no hitter was being thrown. I know. I don't know how you lose that. Uh, oh. Anyway. Anyway. Can um, I just say one thing? And yeah. the animals—they're—they're they're telepathic. Just oh. as I'm uh, sitting here wearing my Heat T-shirt. Oh yeah, I, I saw don't... an announcement on Twitter today. Yeah, uh, Michael Mann confirms Heat Two as next movie. That that gives me contrasting feelings. I was really yeah, con- and I'm sat here wearing my Heat T-shirt, which is one of the best things I ever got from a, a company called Graveyard Goods. Um, and on the back is never let yourself get attached to anything you cannot walk out on in thirty seconds flat if you feel the heat around the corner. Unbelievable. Um, I I I think this, I think this could be bad. I hope it's it's, not. Yeah. Are you getting many Saints of Newark vibes? Oh, Jesus. Hauling. Every Soprano fan that I know, all the hardcore ones, we've forgotten. That's the black sheep. We've shunned it from our memories. Mm -hmm. Like nobody talks about it. Nobody talks about the plot lines, talks about the acting, talks about any lines in it. it. It was an abomination. And I really hope Michael Mann is one of the best. So I really hope he's he's chosen wisely here. I know. I saw the rumor, I guess, is Adam Driver is going to be in it. I think playing the, a young 
is it the young Pacino or Neil McCauley? Or I can't remember which one he's supposed he's being cast as because it's a prequel. Yeah. Oh, it's a prequel. I think it's a prequel. Yeah, I think you're right. He's playing. I think Adam Driver was supposed to be playing a young version of one of those two. I'm not sure. It doesn't really look like either of them. No. So I don't know. How do you do a young Pacino? Look how mental he is in that. I had coffee with Macaulay half an hour ago. Give me all you got. Give me all you got. Don't waste my motherfucking time. Ah. <laughs> uh, anyway, like, we should talk about football. We're, 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 oh my god, we're, we're eleven minutes in. <laughs> it's as if we're going through a, the the smorgasbord of American cultural moments: baseball and Al Pacino, and we still haven't talked about uh, the most boring game we've, the most boring big game we've seen in a long time. Thank you for saying that. So Arsenal, we'll start there because it was. I mean, it was hands down the biggest game of, of the weekend and one of the biggest games of the season so far. Sure. Arsenal yeah. and Manchester City, hugely important game, but it was it was awful. It was a, a bad, bad game. Yep. What do I always say, Andrew? We love soccer. Um, I'm not going to use that it term. Yeah. Well, it's the beautiful game. I'm not going to say that. I just did say it. But nothing can remind you that. <laughs> of how spirit-crushing this game is than a game like that. It was awful, awful, awful game of football on a beautiful day. Perfect day for, you know, 25 degrees in London. Um, Celsius, yeah. Yeah, Celsius, excuse me. But awful, like truly awful. Uh, But it, it makes me feel good, though, because we can now talk about kind of bigger picture stuff and implications. Well, I think sometimes, um, I think sometimes you have to have these bad games to appreciate good ones. Like sometimes I will almost intentionally eat a crap meal of food. And someone will say to me like, well, why are you, you don't like what you're eating. Eat something else. You have choices. No. If I want to appreciate a, ste- a nice steak dinner, I've got to eat some bad meals along the way. Hang on. To appreciate the good ones. Sorry, 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 sorry. You set yourself the task of eating crap meal. Also in the future. I don't go into it saying, okay, find me the worst thing on this menu. I need that tonight. I don't do that. But if I've if I'm starting to eat something and I'm like a quarter of the way through and I'm like, ah, this is not very good. I'll keep going. I'll keep going. Because I want to I want to experience the bad so I can appreciate the good. And I did that, and we all did that with this game and a lot of That's, soccer games we have to yeah, experience well, the bad ones so we can really appreciate the great ones you know what you're right it's self flagellation you got to have your nil nils your boring one nils so you can enjoy your your 3-2 thrillers but like the thing about this one is it's not just that it was like not a whole lot happened with two really good teams which is odd in itself but like when there was a chance for something to happen the quality was poor like zinchenko yeah. Like the ball comes to him, like he's what, like twenty five yards out. It kind of, mm. you know, ball kind of loops out, and he just flails at a volley. Like, what do you, what do you think is going to happen here, Zinchenko? Like, you think you're going to score that? I've never seen the ball flies off his foot at a weird Odegaard, who was an unbelievable player. He had two of those, same kind of thing. Like the quality was weird in this game. Yeah, I, I, I think. Um... John Bruin was talking on the Guardian football podcast and he said there's been so many good games so far this season. Like the quality has been there and there's been a lot of goals, games with a lot of goals in it that when we get served up something that is tripe, we, we're, we've forgotten perhaps 
that we've been dining on filet mignon for so long. Oh, we've become just accustomed to it. Yeah. Um, but but the implications of the game. That's the other thing about it as well. It was a bad. It was a big game. It was a bad game. But it was also a game so early in the season, eight games in, that I find it very hard right now. Except that it's a great boost to Arsenal, and it's unprecedented for City to to lose two on the bounce. Apart from that, I'm not sure what else I can take from it. I don't know how you feel from this game specifically. Yes, yes, yes. Well, I mean, if you want, to, yeah, if, if we're looking at this one specifically, uh, I'll, I'll I'll mention this one. I don't think that there are alarm bells ringing at this point. Um, and he's had good moments, certainly, since he was brought in. But David Raya primarily replaced Aaron Ramsdale. He's a good shot stopper. There's no question about it. But it was mainly because of his feet and what he can do passing and distributing the ball. Mm. He has... He had some moments in this one that kind of made you think if that's why he knocked out Ramsdale, well, what's he then what's he providing? Because he had some moments where the distribution was poor and a little bit worrisome and could have put Arsenal in, in some precarious positions. And that's well, and that it happened in the previous game too. Um, so it's just again, I think he's a better keeper. I have no problem with Mikel Arteta having made that move to him. Hmm. But I'm but I think it's it's a thing to monitor at this point. Uh, I, I think I think you make a fair point. I, the two that spring to mind. Now, I thought there was a couple of times, one one with Julian Alvarez, twice with Julian Alvarez, where Alvarez was just so quick to close him down and Raya was slow on the wind-up. Yeah. And like, remember that happened thinking, to Matt Turner and we were like, come on, in the FA Cup, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, the first one was uh, Gabriel to Raya and Raya didn't seem to want it. He got He gets closed down, turning towards his own goal. And uh, ball goes out, obviously goes into the side net. And then he turns immediately to Gabrielle and kind of complains that he didn't want it there. But I'm like, how can you not want it there? You were the only out ball for, for Gabrielle at that point. He was kind of boxed in. So just kick it long, like just yeah. boot it long. Um, and then there was one to Rice, which was just pure sloppy from Raya. Like, Raya, the, the passing has to be really good. So the difference, some, some of the difference between like top players and, and, and like everybody else is when they're playing a pass to you, they play it into your correct foot. The foot that you want or the foot that you're going to turn away from, like the passes are are leading you. They're they're allowing your body to turn and do the things you want to do next. That's what good passes is. A bad pass at that level is a pass that ends up kind of neither neither to your left nor your right that you have to adjust. And that was just sloppy from Raya. Um, I, 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 I know what you're saying. And obviously, we're talking about a game where not a ton happened, so we need to need to tease a little bit more out of it. I I, I do know what you're saying, but I th- I think I think it's early. It's early yet to yeah. to say that Arteta hasn't upgraded on on. Um, I think on he has. I'm not saying it's a mistake from kicking point of view. Yeah. Um. Again, from this game specifically, look, I've grown weary and tired of ref talk over the last couple oh, weeks God. um but I, but i should say that mateo kovacic was was very lucky to have remained in this game now he had a he could have been straight he could have been given shown a straight red it was right yeah. on the edge uh i was reading dale johnson at espn fc and he basically said the placement of where the studs hit might have saved him. He got the ankle as opposed to Dale John, uh, Johnson brings it back to Curtis Jones, 
who got the shin and calf. And he thinks yes. maybe because it was lower down on the leg, it might have saved Kovacic. But then six minutes later, he mm. goes and and absolutely should have been yellow, given a second yellow uh, for the foul on Declan Rice. To me, it's a yeah. no, it's a no doubter, and ESPNFC agreed. They said it, Dale Johnson said it was a mistake. He should have been sent off, but I think I, I think Michael Oliver, I think, just doesn't like sending guys off. It's like it's one of his, I don't know, tenets of of officiating. Um, so he <laughs> let it flow. He, he didn't want to do it, but he should have been yeah. sent off. I think. I mean, the one thing that we rattle our heads against the laffy table about is is the consistency part of it, and well, look. At, I don't have much to say about this, really, because ref talk is is tiring me after last week. He should have gone. Kovacic should have been sent off. If we're going to apply the rules properly, I definitely feel that getting more of ankle rather than shin and calf and making the leg, the plant leg bend a bit um, certainly mitigated in his favor. Yeah. Um, last bit from the specifics of the game, and then, like you said, we'll get to more of the big picture stuff. I do wonder, J.J., like the way this game started, in an alternate universe, we might have had a really entertaining game. Manchester City probably should have scored in the fourth minute uh, when Guardiol um, took the shot that Declan Rice cleared off the line. Yeah. But Arsenal weren't really able to clear it. Manchester City kept it in, and then all of a sudden the ball falls to Nathan Ake, who's like four yards from goal, and he just fires one wide and over the net. Not the easiest chance in the world, but should have done better. You play for Manchester City. You should probably do better than that. At least get it on frame. If they score there and and Arsenal are down a goal four minutes in and have to really go for it and open it up in a, in a, maybe a way that they didn't feel like they necessarily needed to um, when the score was tied nil nil, maybe we do get the the entertaining game that we were all kind of hoping for. So who knows? We'll never know. Yeah, sure. Um, we should also say like. I'm not downplaying this this game. I'm downplaying this game as a spectacle, but in terms of like, you know, for Arsenal to break that duck of what fifteen games, um, you know, what was it six years or something without without being able to beat Manchester City? You know, that is that is significant. That definitely after a run of fifteen games without a victory in this fixture, drawing two, losing thirteen, losing each of the last twelve in a row. Arsenal have beat Manchester City in the Premier League for the first time since December 2015. And, and mixed in among those are some real hammerings that they took. Hammerings, thumpings. So that is, like in terms of of the Arsenal, 1-0 to the Arsenal, kind of the rejuvenation of Arsenal under Arteta. This is this is definitely significant. And, and I also think it's particularly satisfying for Arteta that the goal involved the substitutes that he made, every single one of the substitutes he made. Uh, the ball was clipped forward by Thomas Partey. The knockdown was by uh, Tomiyasu. Uh, Tomiyasu. Kai Havertz then plays it back to um, to Martinelli, who uh, scores via Ake's face or whatever it was. So, you know, um, great. Absolutely great. Uh, it, it, I'm not downplaying. I, Arsenal fans are super sensitive. Um, less so now that they're good again, but they're still very sensitive. Brilliant result for Arsenal, um, despite the fact that the game was uh, turgid. So we'll get to the Manchester City side before we close out of this. But while you're talking about that goal and and the the main players in it, it kind of brings me to something that I did want to bring up again because oh, we talked we about it. Because <laughs> you, I know you had the Eddie and Ketia stats, which were powerful. Um, there, but. 
I don't know. I, I can't help it. I can't help but feel the way that I feel when I'm watching Arsenal play. Everyone, not just you, I see it on Twitter. I, I hear it from media, pundits, other podcasts. Everyone keeps wanting to tell me that Arsenal's depth is their weakness. <laughs> and I'm I watch them play, and I'm still just having a hard time being convinced of it. Like, Bukayo Saka might be their best player. He didn't play. Jurian Timber was one of their, their big signings. Didn't play. Trossard forced off at halftime. Like, all these things happen. They just beat Manchester City. Yeah. Like, you know, being able to bring on Martinelli, Tomiyasu, Partey. You mentioned Havertz. Look, hell, you know what I think of Kai Havertz, but I think bringing him on as a substitute isn't the worst role in the world for a player like that. It's not that bad. So, I mean, who are the other teams in the Premier League that are loaded with like a second full top four quality 11? I mean, maybe, well, Manchester well, City might on. be, well, but like it's all relative. Like, I mean, City just brought City for their substitutes, brought on a player who's lit up their team so far in Jeremy Doku this season. Right. City They're, are the one, but no one, no one can do what they do. So yeah, who else? I mean, I mean, Liverpool's depth is, is I think, is is much better than it has been in recent years. For I sure. think up, up front, Liverpool is, but you say right. all the time, the further back you go, it it thins quickly. It does, and there is there's defensive issues with Liverpool, but they couldn't do an entire rebuild of a team. They just could manage midfield and a bit of the attack this this off season. Um, I mean, Tottenham have I a strong to... first eleven, but like but, we haven't, but, you know, br- after that, I'm I don't just know. saying, I'm just saying, uh, uh, Andrew, like. Thomas Partey and Martinelli like depth means that the guy that's come so to me it means that the guy that is coming off is definitely as good as the guy that's coming off in the case yep. of like coming on and off like like if that's what depth means to me that you've got that kind of well I know this guy that's coming on is going to come in and be okay if not quite as good definitely going to give me something I, I um, think very I mean very few teams have the substitute is as good as the guy he's coming on for like that's that's rare close to well well i'll put it to you this way Jorginho, like like thomas Partey is a starter in that team uh, Jorginho is not a starter for arsenal but he started this game martinelli miles better than inketia um even though they're not exactly the same kind of player trosser i like trosser an, an awful lot i'll give you that here's something for you and again okay you reject my premise or not my premise it was ken early's premise about how far off their attackers are in terms of being, you know, after the guys that, that don't start are, are, are out, you know, the, the bench players, where are they at? Okay, we'll leave that. Um, Squawker had this stat about Saliba, who, let's be truthful, his, his injury last season was in no small part of the reason that Arsenal didn't win the title. Uh, Saliba has not been dribbled past in his eight Premier League appearances in 23-24. He's committed just two fouls all season. This is from a centre-back. Now, again, caveat, we're only eight games in. I understand that. But like Saliba is so huge for them. Right. They do They do not have someone who can come in and cover that position. We, we, saw, it, we saw it at the end of last season. He he's, yeah. he's it. Like He is definitely one where if you remove him, they're in real trouble. And I think pretty much with the possible exception of Manchester City, although we'll get to them in a sec, with the possible possible exception of them, I think every team pretty much has a guy like that, where if you remove him from the equation, things can fall apart quickly. I don't think Arsenal are in a worse but or you, better position than a lot of these but other Arsenal teams. But Arsenal are similar. I mean, I mean, we're talking about title race, though, here. That's the difference. And Arsenal aren't competing with almost anybody else. Maybe maybe Liverpool. We, I'm sure you'll have a word to say about Tottenham. At the, um, it's amazing that 
Arsenal will, will win a North London derby. Or excuse me, will beat Manchester City for the first time in forever. And it will be their North London rivals that will be top of the table, albeit on goal difference, right? Mm-hmm. So, so um, yeah, but the, I, I guess my, my mindset's different from yours, Andrew. I'm I'm carrying on from last season and I'm assuming it's Arsenal versus Manchester City as the top two. And if you're if you're stacking up Arsenal versus Man City, uh, I think in key positions, Ars- uh, Man City are still ahead of them in depth. That's that's it. That's my depth argument. So let's talk about that now with Manchester City, because it is very early. A lot is still going to have to play out. Um, but I am maybe foolishly, the audio of this might be used against me later on in the season. That is possible. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we put ourselves out there, J.J., I can't help but wonder a little bit with City losing a couple games in a row now, something they don't usually do. If we're beginning to kind of see the early stages of one of these off-cycle years for Man City, where they're, even though they may largely have the same squad, for whatever reason, they're weirdly vulnerable all Mm -hmm. of a sudden for a season. And then that window shuts and they're immediately back refreshed and dominant again the following year. Like, Follow me, follow me here through the years, JJ. So let's go back to 2012. 89 points, they won the league. Four seasons later, and then they're good for a while. Four, four seasons later, 2016, they drop all the way to 66 points, fourth place. They weren't great the next year, but they improved dramatically. They won titles back to back seasons. But then four years after the 66 point season in 2020, they dropped down again to 81 points. Not terrible, but their lowest point total in three seasons. An off cycle year, they didn't win the league. Then they rebound titles in 21, 22, 23. But here we are again in the fourth year. And it's not a huge sample size and it's not ironclad. You know, there, sometimes it's a three year pattern, a four year pattern. But City do have these seasons every three or four years where they do come back to the pack a little bit. Maybe they still win a title, but it does feel like there's an opportunity that the window opens a little bit for another club. And I'm wondering now if if we're going to follow this pattern, we are in one of those years now where it could be an off-cycle year. They won the treble last season. That expended right. a ton of energy. You know, they're, we're looking, at, I think, at some vulnerabilities right now. We've always said, oh, they can lose anyone and be fine. Well, I mean, right now their midfield is not the same. It's not the same. And Rodri's going to come back. We're seeing how how desperately I think they need him. De Bruyne is hurt. It was already going to be difficult with Gundogan having left. It's a lot of loss for them to have taken in that spot on the field. I I think that there, there could be a window here for somebody this season. Um right. I I I think like I I see what you what you've laid out. I, I don't think you're wrong about those cycles. It's 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 impossible to keep winning at this pelt city or winning at without them at least taking a step back at some point. But um Arsenal will drop more points. Liverpool are dropping points. I feel the other teams around Manchester City are going to take points off each other and that will leave City in the title race, regardless of your off year theory. Okay. I also think the re- the return of Rodri is going to make a difference too. I think City will be left in this race. That would be my well in the race. That would be my gut instinct. But then I feel weird about talking about this. Like it's eight games in. It's it's, it's eight games in, and we're already hitting an, another international window. So, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I I I get what you're saying, but I need you to come back to us in mid December. Okay, sure, of course, come back in mid December. That's more than fair. Uh huh. 
more than fair. Yeah. Look, I, I, they will be a part, whatever title race there is, they will absolutely be a part of it. I'm just saying, I don't know if this is going to be one of those 90 plus point seasons where city runs away from the pack and it's not really competitive to round out the season. Doesn't, doesn't feel like that to me right now. Okay. Well, at at this point, Andrew, I'm buying what you're selling, my friend. Okay. All right. Well, I'll come back to you in December. We'll re we'll revisit this. Uh, you got anything else on this one, JJ? Nah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Me neither. But a genuine congrats to, to Arsenal. No, sure. uh, On, on defeating this bogey team that they have, I mean, that everyone, for the most part, has struggled with, but them even more so. And that had to, that had to feel good. For Arteta, we're, too. We're spoiled brats because, and again, this isn't a knock. Don't take it as a knock, Arsenal fans. But, you know, in the seasons where it was City-Liverpool, we were, like, the season before last, we were served up, like, <laughs> two, two, two draws. You know, brilliant games. Truly brilliant games. Uh, yeah, just ask goals. their managers. Yeah, where the, the the fart smelling was, oh, it was noxious. Um, so, you know, there's that to to factor in as well. And um, the Arsenal Man City games last season were not were not close. Um, so here we are. You hear well that, done, Arsenal, Arsenal fans? You hear that? You hear what he's saying? A title race with you in Manchester City is nothing like what it was with Man City and Liverpool. Well, so far it hasn't been. It hasn't been as close. Arsenal fell away, but. You know, we hope they're building something because God knows we need more competition in this league. Um, let's go from uh, memories of one fart-smelling derby to perhaps the infancy of another. Can, can I ask you, um, yeah. why did you think this was a fart-smelling one? You, you oh, referred I, to Brighton and Liverpool. Yeah, Brighton and Liverpool, I think that there's potential for this to really grow into a nice Dutch oven fart-smeller with these managers. You could tell uh, the way... Uh, because they both play similar style. I mean, it's this game is just like pressing, 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 attacking, attacking, couple of goals, pressing. I mean, they're so they kind of mirror each other in some ways. The managers are both these passion filled alphas. Uh, right. And, you know, you saw when Deserby, he like he lost his mind at one point in the game. Where if that's another manager, Klopp is you know, like, like when Ryan Mason got mad and Klopp told him, worry about other things, worry about other things. You know, but when DeJerby does it, because I think Klopp, there's this little mutual admiration society that Klopp picks and chooses who he wants to be a part of it. You know, he goes yeah. over when DeJerby's irate and he hugs him and he smiles mm-hmm. and kind of like you could tell that there there's a little bit of fart smelling going on with these guys when they play. And, and DeJerby, I, I think, DeJerby I think the, the ingredients time. are there. Yeah, Dejerby at full time took Alexis McAllister around the field in his Liverpool shirt and pointed at him and told the crowd to clap him. Yeah, yeah, stuff like that's, that. That's kind of that's farty smelling. Yeah, a lot of mutual admiration society going on. You hate two. that. You hate that. I do because Tottenham will never be a part of it. They're always hated. <laughs> They'll never be allowed. And you know what? I don't want to be a part of it. I want us Alex, to be viewed the way we're viewed. Alex Ferguson did that. And he did it against his enemies. So he was very much kind of uh, um, U.S. foreign policy since the 1950s. My enemy's enemy is my friend. Mm-hmm. So so, so he would take some strange bedfellows, like Sam Allardyce. <laughs> Sam Allardyce had this thing about Rafa. 
So uh, there was a game Blackburn were at. Uh, Sam Allardyce was matching, managing Blackburn. Liverpool were there. And the game went to like 2-0. And Rafa made a gesture like it's done. It's done. Mm-hmm. And made a whole bunch of substitutions. Like, this game's over. It's done. And Allardyce complained about it. And, and Ferguson, because he was trying to pick off his enemy, who his, his main enemy at the time was Rafa Benitez. And uh, so, oh, it's disgraceful. Totally disgraceful, uh, you know, against the game, you know, and uh, didn't like, just generally didn't like the, uh, what Rafa did. Yeah. Actually didn't, just piggybacked on it so he could find a way to attack him. But yeah, so you're right, I, I get what you're saying. I mean, Tottenham might have had an avenue in. We were saying that there was potential for it with Klopp and Ange with all the, the love. Oh, but, look, but look how that played out. Into I, like know, one of those... <laughs> I know, but I thought they were going, like, because, you know, Klopp, at his pomp at Liverpool, we're talking about social issues, about Brexit, about the way he would, you know, the team would get to the ground early so the Muslim players could pray for the game, give them time. You know, wow, what a guy. And then Ange talks about his immigrant background, you know, is very kind to supporters of all races and creeds and 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 abilities and all that stuff. So like they're they're just two wonderful people and I know you and me. We can't stand that for too long. Yeah, we don't like that. So yeah, I, I would revisit Ange and Klopp. Ange and Klopp. That could still be a, an alliance of fart smelling. We'll see. They might have to have a more peaceful match than than the likes of what, what took place most recently. Yes. Um, so l- let's get into this one a little bit because this was a really this was a, a very fun game. I thought um, the Adringa goal. Yeah, who's at fault? I love the way <laughs> a drink a goal. Who's at fault? Like you're chairing a kind of a debate at Harvard. This is the McLaughlin, um, the McLaughlin group on caught offside. The... <laughs> um, I, I, so I always say on the, on these ones, uh, should McAllister have been a bit snappier? Yeah. Uh, Virgil's at fault. He can see the whole field. He can see who's pressing hard. McAllister can't. It's behind him. He, unless he, you know, maybe he should have checked his shoulder quickly. Also, um, Allison has opened out for that pass. So he wants the ball switched to play so he can go the other side. That's why he ends up in such a ridiculous position. Yeah. He, um, he was a dark horse for my who's at fault. No, he, well, he, for, yeah, he, he should have been more alive to it. Um, this is a consequence of the way Liverpool play, as was the goal, uh, the penalty that Brighton conceded. You know, these yeah. are two like these are two managers who are just like, this is how we'll do it. And built into this are mistakes that will happen and we'll just eat the mistakes. You know, it's fine. There will be some loss. There will be some collateral. Um, So, so Alison has opened out. I think Verge should swivel, play it out to Alison. Alison goes down the other channel. He doesn't. But McAllister and Alison are slightly dozy. And Adringa is really, really sharp. And he was one of my picks uh, preseason. Um, a lazy pick at who could be a breakout star. And I just picked him because Brighton get this thing kind of right. And he is well on his way to being uh, one of the, maybe young player of the year. For for whatever the who's at fault conversation is, it was also a great finish. By it's him. a fantastic finish. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, um, the nerve to kind of even try it. I like guys when they show that kind of courage. Um, good for him. And to pass it into the net as well. Because, with the inside of the foot, Andrew, from that distance, you get that wrong and it's a real 
speaking of fart, it's a real wet fart, and it, it wah, wah, and it doesn't quite make it, and the keeper gets it easily, but he 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 caught it perfectly. Uh, JJ Salah's equalizer to tie it at one. Uh, what a just a, what a lovely goal. The whole move, pretty so pleasing to watch. Um, but it does beg one question for me. Now, obviously, everyone everyone's favorite part, I think, of this goal was the layoff for Harvey Elliott to kind of let that ball run through him so to, good. to reach Salah. That's what made the goal so cool. However, I do wonder if he was towing the line of being too unselfish. He's like eight yards from goal. There's no one in front of him, and he's central. Like, is there another man on earth? Who, now, he made the right decision. Salah's a better finisher, and the way Salah was approaching the yeah. ball, it was going to give him that lane to pass it right to that far corner. But I don't know if Correct. anyone else would do what Harvey Elliott did there. They wouldn't, but you've answered your question. Because of the way the ball comes centrally at Harvey Elliott and the way he'd have to turn his body, it's actually the better um, option in terms of angles to let that run to Salah. I don't know. if you Do you remember Robbie Keane used to do a line in that with Berbatov? That yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. Step over. I, yeah. There's some great old highlight reels of uh, of that kind of thing. Yeah, I like that. Um, just let the ball go and then you move yourself. Um, but it was, uh, yeah, I, I I hear what you're saying. Um, it's also Harvey Elliott's age, deferring to the elder statesman. Um, but Salah is on a on a tear of goals and assists. He's, uh, I know there's a lot of talk around Sobishlai, and I know Salah can remarkably. Uh, Divide opinion at times. How? But Who's on he, the other side? I've got friends who support Liverpool and they find the way that he plays sometimes to be frustrating. <laughs> I'm, I'm, then, then they've, then are they just bored by it? Like, is it just like he's reached a level where he can no longer please people because it's become so expected? I mean, he's ridiculous. There's no drop off ever. I don't know. I can't imagine being on the other side of the Mo Salah. Is he great debate? Like it's that's. I know it's not about. It, it's weird. There are just those players, and uh, um. But I know people are loving Sabasli right now, and rightly so. Salah is clearly Liverpool's most important player. I mean, imagine if he went to Saudi Arabia. Oh my God, be a, the league ninety-two goals for Liverpool and still counting. Yeah. Five in the Premier League this season. Only Haaland and Son have more. And uh, don't have it right in front of me. I should have made a note of it. I made a note somewhere, and now I don't know where it is, but his his stats, uh, his assists are are phenomenal too for Liverpool. He's ridiculous. He's ridiculous. Now, with all these goals in this game, there were some also shocking misses. Uh, Gravenberch for Liverpool and Jao Pedro for Brighton. And I'm I'm going back yeah. and forth and I need your guidance here on on which one of those misses was worse. Oh, that's such a good question. I I think I'm going to give the hmm, I'll give I you I'm mine. Going give, I, I'm going to give the benefit of the doubt to Gravenberg because I do think it's it the maybe the pace of the ball it's at a different it, it's at a slightly more challenging remove. Whereas Joe Pedro's, it's like right in front of the goal, and I know it skips up. Yeah, it bounced a little. He's got to score right central. It's, he's got to score. Um, also, 
and I'm the animals can help me. I think it was an early earlier season game, like maybe his debut game or his second game for Brighton very early on in the season. And he missed another sitter, not dissimilar to that, like a tap in. Hmm. Um, and, and that's in my head too. So I'm going to say Joe Pedro. Yeah, I agree. I think his was worse. I know the ball, yeah. it bounced a little, but like Did. you say, he, he's so centrally located. The ball yeah. is passed like right into his, his line. Stride. So yeah. he doesn't, yeah, he doesn't need to break his run in any way. Um, he just has to concentrate a little bit and manage the bounce. Whereas he's he's a weird one, Andrew, because I think he's actually very he's obviously a lot of talent. Brighton do their scouting very well, but um, in my head now, I have an awful lot of 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 missed sitters for him. Yeah, building up a, a an early catalog, I suppose. A resume. Um, finally, from this one, another ref watch moment. So I, I mentioned earlier how Deserby went ballistic. It was mm-hmm. over a, a Van Dyke handball incident. Um, my perspective of this is, what is he on about? Yeah, I don't like, get it. it, it so the, the ball deflects off of Van Dyke's leg and then goes up and hits his arm. Um, now, that I, I think a lot of people are under the misconception that if the ball hits off of you and then hits the arm, it can't. it's not a penalty. That is not true. It can be. Um, the referee still has discretion over whether or not your arm is in what's determined to be some kind of natural position from the movement you're making. Um, like if the if Van Dyke's arm was up over his head, like he was, you know, like he was trying to block a ball from going through or something, then it would have been given. But his arm is not in that kind of position. It's a natural running movement that the that the ball comes up and hits. It's never. It, it shouldn't. I shouldn't say it's never a penalty, because penalties never cease to surprise me with what's given right. and what's not. So sometimes it might be, but it shouldn't be. I have no problem with it not given. And I think Deserby going crazy like that. He got a yellow card. Klopp, like I said, had to come over and hug him. To... It was a chance for a hug, so it was worth it. But it was it just felt like such a kind of weird overreaction. I don't know. So to me, no no controversy here. Nothing to nothing to see here. Nothing to see here. And I think uh we can finish on this game as our conversation goes towards a Manchester United victory, and we should not delay. This was high drama. Um Old Trafford, it they that place still has the ability to produce some pretty deafening noise, and I thought they did on this day when McTominay wound up getting the winner. Um, we'll get to McTominay in a sec, but before that, I I, I just want to ask you because because Manchester United, well, I'll start with the bad, then we'll get to the good. Okay, because United, I think they do deserve some good. We've done a lot of bad with United. They I mean, they were they were not good in this game, but they won the game, so that's the good, right? So that's what I wanted to start with is that they won, and so everyone left there feeling good, and that's important in in moments like this, in patches yep. of bad form that they're in. You do sometimes need a game where it's just just get us the three points. Doesn't matter Definitely. what it just get the three points. So that is not to be discounted. But you're right. This was not for I mean for a long stretch of this, Brentford should have won. Um, yeah. Onana, oh, this, geez. this was on the heels of what's been going on with that guy. This was not a day where Andre Onana needed another bad moment, but the soccer gods do not care about our wants and needs. And I think he had another one. It may not have been quite as glaring, but he gets a hand on it. I mean, he paid a lot of money for a goalkeeper. Some like sometimes do something special. Everyone, I don't even know if this if that would have counted as special. Andrew, he's he's got to save that top goalkeeper saves that. 
You can give me all the spiel you want about, well, it's down close to him. Keepers, I mean, the commentary team, well, keepers hate it down there. Well, of course they hate it down there. But like the problem for him is yet again, he has a huge amount of hand close to the ball and still doesn't save it. And it's not going that fast. He should save that. He should absolutely save that. Um, and his relief yeah. in the celebrations that would follow with Scott McTominay's uh, winner, his involvement in those celebrations, his, you could see the relief on him. I, again, I go back to that stupid prediction I made. I was like, imagine if United aren't back and Onana's really terrible. I, I cannot believe how bad he's been. I cannot believe it. And I would... I would agree with what other people are saying is there, there's no way he's been this bad throughout his career. He, he wouldn't be at the place he is right now, but he, he has stunk. And it's, it's so hard for a team to get any kind of rhythm. If you know, he's going to throw your keepers going to make a mistake or let in an easy one, like he did in Munich um, to begin the game. Like United started that game sharply at the Allianz arena. And it just takes the life out of you um, to do that. Now, um, Maybe this is, he needs, you know what he needs, Andrew? He needs a quality game. Like he needs a big game. One of those where he pulls off a bunch of standard saves and then maybe like one or two extra, like maybe a little bit out of the ordinary saves just to build confidence up, just to get him going. I know you said he probably needs to come out of the team. I think one more game where he makes an error, even if it's on the level of that Brighton, of, excuse me, of the Brentford goal error, the Jensen goal. I think one more of those and he has to come out of the side. Yeah, it feels like there's some confidence stuff going on here. I mean, he's better than this. He is. Uh, these well, are weird. These are odd um, mistakes. I mean, I'm just going to assume he is. Um, unless, and it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be unlike United. Um, United have gone and bought another player who is, I mean, he's only 27. Who is maybe the best has been seen of him? Well, I, it's I'm unlikely. Not, it's not, unlikely at twenty-seven, but I'm not ready to say that. Or maybe their scouting has been wrong. But we've seen Wouldn't him play. shock you. But we we've, we've Would, seen him play though. We know he is good. He's good. This is well, weird. But he needs to start being good fairly quickly. <laughs> um, speaking of good, let's get to the good now. So, yeah. Scott McTominay. I mean, this was such a great moment for the club, for this guy who has had a weird tenure there. I mean, he came up through the youth system, um, never hasn't ever really caught on the way I think they had hoped, but is still kind of viewed, I think, in, in a positive light. You know, fans go hot and cold with him. He's he's weird, too. He's a weird player also, which leads me, JJ, to a new segment that I would like to debut on the show. And I... I don't have a jingle for it yet, but I'll I'll get to work on it. You got to make one. Come on. I'll get to it. I will. I, I'll do that. Um, but I, I want to debut a new segment on, on the show called Good or Not. And I would like our debut edition to feature Scott McTominay. I would like it to be Scott McTominay. Good or not? Because I um, don't know. And I, I'm, and I I'm think gonna... we need to adjudicate. Well, I... So the premise of this show is that I do pick, that I just don't, I don't say I don't know. I, I, I'm, so I'm going to say good. And I'm going to say guilt by association has been a large part of the problem of his career. Like he has been 
a, a younger player, an emerging player throughout some fairly barren years for Manchester United, from through a lot of coaches, a lot of negativity, that can't help. I think also guilt by association. There was a period where we never said, we never listed a Manchester United team sheet without saying McFred. <laughs> you know, I, it, I know. It, he was joined at the hip to the fortunes of Fred. And Fred was a Brazilian player who never really, never really, you know, worked was, at United. Yeah. It just didn't work out. And so, and that midfield tandem didn't work. Um, I've, I've, I've read John Bruin, uh, who says you need guys like McTominay around a club like that in and around a club like that. Nice. He doesn't have to start every game, but you know, United, the, the, the history of Manchester United is littered with guys who were, who were some guys. They were good guys who could make an impact. Now, McTominay's form for Scotland is blistering. Blistering hot. What is it, six um, goals in five games or something? Yeah, he's he's outstanding. He, I, I, Again, it was a Manchester United supporter at the weekend told me, upon hearing of McTominay's uh, amazing exploits, said, well, he used to play up front. He was a forward in the youth squad at United. So he has that background and he, you know, you could certainly tell that. I will say, I will say in the second goal, if we're going to crush um, Onana for, you know, getting a hand on it and like not like really should, he should have saved it. I would like to crush uh, Strakosha for, for Brentford for the second, like he gets far too much of a hand. Uh, he should save that McTominay header, but that's not what we're talking about. Um, no, he's good. He's a good player. I think a guy who is, um, who has been decent, if not brilliant, for Manchester United for a long period, maybe weighed down by 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 a midfield partner that didn't work out, and has been as good as he has for Scotland. Yeah, he's a good player. I think he's good. I think he's good. And, I think he's and, good. And maybe if if United were selecting a dream midfield, uh, a midfield. A newly recruited midfield because I think United's dream midfield would not no longer have Casemiro in it. I'm not even 100 percent sure they'd have Amrabat in it, but whatever. If they could have the midfield that that others have, maybe Scott McTominay doesn't start, but he would definitely be a player on the bench. That's yeah. how I'd see it. And you know is the it, thing also is, is he a G Sung Park for a worse United? Hmm. Interesting. Like Park was never a starter, but. Fergie knew when to use him in big games because his effort, he could he could be given a specific task and do it really well, like picking lumps out of Xabi Alonso or or something of that nature. Um Park was a Park was an underrated player, and I think maybe Scott McTominay in a better United team would be seen in that light. Yeah, I could see that. And you know, it's interesting too. I don't know what this manager, what Eric Ten Hag thinks of him, but generally speaking, managers love him. Um, Marie, I'm reading from Oliver Kay, who wrote a, a feature for the athletic about McTominay after this. He said, Marie, Jose Mourinho, like famously loved Scott McTominay, uh, when he was at United. Um, and Oliver says, Mourinho isn't the only Manchester United manager to have been persuaded of McTominay's qualities. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer treasured him quote, a monster of a human being. That was what Ole said about him. Ralph Ragnick was alarmed upon taking over as interim coach in November 2021 by the dearth of players with the attitude, energy, and application he expected, mm. but he was impressed by McTominay, proposing him as a future captain of the club. So he's one of those guys 
uh, maybe it's a Scottish thing. We were just talking about Andy Robertson, how uh, you know a few weeks ago, how he's immensely important being in and around yeah. Liverpool in terms of what he means behind the scenes. It sounds like McTominay has a lot of those similar qualities where you know what he gives on the field is one thing, but it seems like in terms of leadership qualities, good teammate qualities, he's he's even greater. Um, we'll I, see if I this moment this- now really kicks him on and gives him kind of that boost of confidence. The crowd, I mean, he's he's basically now a club hero. Like United were in this bad moment where they needed somebody to rise up and be the guy, and he did it in a, in a substitute role. Andrew, they were they were minutes away from a third successive home defeat at Old Trafford. Yeah, in the Premier League era, hadn't happened. A record was about to be broken, and he stopped it. So, so yeah. Um, I think the Scots, you know, I do like the Scots generally. Yeah, good characters. Good. That's nice. You don't know any Scottish people, do you? Uh, personally, I don't think that I do. No. I mean, uh, do we like? It's been a while since we've spoken with him. Do we? Would you say we know Craig Burley? Yes, we know Craig Burley. Okay, well then I do. Okay. Yeah, we know Craig. <laughs> All right. But yeah, like on a on like a more personal friendship level, I don't I don't know. No, that I no. I, I could, could I see you being friends with a Scot? How about yes? Sure. I don't, I mean, you're you're a likable guy, but I think Scots could be be a bit much for you. <laughs> I don't think that's true at all. I, I think no, I, I I reject that. Andrew and the Rowdy Scott would be a great buddy film. I've been nothing but complimentary of them as as people of their passion for this game, their lung capacity. Yeah, that's um, true. Yeah, uh, let's see. Anything else on United? Um, no, except. This better not be a false dawn. Ten Hag needs he he needs a, a string of results here, and obviously they've got a bit of time with the international break to regroup. Yeah, they do. Um, we'll regroup in a sec. We're going to take a break before we do that, though. JJ, I just want to remind everybody that caught offside is brought to you by Manscaped. Oh yeah, that's right. And, and JJ, they've taken a step up from what they have deemed to be Balloween to bring your face the cleanest shave it's ever seen. So this season, no need to toil and trouble. Manscaped's all-new Handyman is the best oh. way to get rid of that stubble. Featuring a compact design and next-gen skin-safe technology, the Handyman was designed to give you that smooth finish without the mess of a traditional shave. Get the sweetest treat this Halloween by going to manscaped.com and use code Offside for 20% off plus free shipping. With the new Handyman Razor, like we talked about last week, JJ, I don't know if you if you remember... Um, from when I told you, we'll see how good your memory is. How many, you know, how most razors kind of have like a one, two or three setting in terms of, yeah. you know, for shaving your face. Uh, do you remember how many the handyman has? It has 20. 20. Unbelievable. I mean, 20. if you can't find your level there, you're you're never gonna. Yeah. And I like that, Andrew, because if you just do what I have, I have a pair, I have just a wall clippers. That's mm-hmm. all I have. They're hair clippers. So when the beard gets too long, I just go through it. And it is not an accurate shave. It is not a, I can't really pick properly what I want the length to be. And I suffer from patchy beard syndrome. So oh, some, yeah. some parts are thicker than others. So I really need the accuracy that only the Manscaped family of products can give me. Yeah. And it's perfect for this season. It's, so it's October 9th right now when we're recording this. So mm. if you if you order it now, I bet it will be there for the 20% off and free shipping. 
I bet you'll get it before Halloween. So it, a lot of costumes out there require some sort of beard. Like if you if you're a Man City fan, you want to be Gvardiol for Halloween. You know, he has an interesting beard. You got every setting imaginable, so you can be Gvardiol for for right. Halloween. Happy Halloween, everybody. I'm Gvardiol. Yeah. Um, all right. So you got the I mean, twenty settings. It's, at it's, an it's, American party, unless it's football friends, you go in as Gvardiol. They're going to be like, okay, <laughs> it's not going to go over. That's all right. Not every Halloween costume needs to be for everyone else. Sometimes you do things for you. If you're a Man City fan, you want to be Gvardi, oh, be him. What's um, uh, what's your favorite Halloween costume? I know, I know what my favorite of yours is. That I went as my favorite. Yeah. Easily, yeah. Gene Shalit. Oh my, amazing! Just amazing. Easily, Gene Shalit. Yeah, mine is uh, Takashi Six Nine. <laughs> yeah, I remember when you did that. Yeah. <laughs> Very topical. At the time, it was. Yeah, I went. Po- I went polar opposite. I said, "Who's a random '90s mo- film critic who would every once in a while appear on uh, various morning shows?" That's who I want to be. You yeah. went more topical than that. Yes. Um, so get twenty percent off and free shipping with the code "caught offside" at manscaped.com. That's twenty percent off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Use code "caught offside" for a look as sweet as candy. Get yourself the handyman. From Manscaped. I'll tell you what, we'll go ahead. Oh, oh, oh my. Sorry. And please do it for us. Do it for us. Do it for your old buddies. Oh, yeah. It reflects very, very well upon us when you use that code. So please, by all means. Get after it. Yeah. Uh, Let's go ahead. We'll take a break. I do have, JJ, a few other Premier League things that I want to mention on the other side of that break. So we'll do that. A little bit of MLS stuff as the season is now really, really winding down. We're coming up on decision day. Uh, Wayne Rooney news there for him and DC United. Um, I know Olivier Giroud had an eventful weekend with AC Milan, as did our our guy Christian Pulisic. So there's still a lot to do on the other side. More caught offside still to come. Hold up! What was that? Boring, no flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Oh, back now on... Caught offside. Uh, let's see. Let's go right back into it, JJ, because there, there there were a couple other Premier League things that I I wanted to mention. Sure. Um, some random things. I, if you have any as well, by all means, feel free to get them in there. Um, wanted to get to this one first. Coming off the uh, the six one win that Aston Villa had over Brighton. Curious how they were going to kick on from that. Well, they I mean, maybe a little bit of a step back. One one draw uh, for them against Wolves. But it's not really the the Villa side of this that I want to talk more about. If we had if we had debuted our good or not segment like a week ago, I I might think about Wolves. I might have thought about Wolves then. I'm I'm still thinking about it for good or okay. not. 
Um, Because where they are on the table, I don't know if if it reflects it, but they're actually, I think, playing quite well, um, considering, you know, they lost Lopetegui right before the season. They kind of had to take a flyer on Gary O'Neill, and I think he's doing a great job. But it's it's a guy who we've been talking about more and more lately that I'm just I'm so smitten with. He's becoming one of my people. Um, Pedro Neto, his his resurgence, it's continuing. He's hitting the form of his life right now, and it's coming off a stretch where injuries. So he basically missed 15 months of a two year time frame. And um, Opta, they they had the like Opta analyst series where they kind of hone in on something, and they did the they did that with him with Pedro Neto because uh, everyone can see he's been playing so well. So this is before Sunday's game, but they kind of break down what he's been doing lately. Uh, and they know when it comes to progressing the play uh, upfield, Neto is basically in his own lane among the same, uh, among the group, this group of players. Uh, he's one of only two along with Matoma to carry possession more than 850 meters up the pitch. Uh, when all Premier League players are taken into consideration, Neto is only behind four center backs. Center backs usually, JJ, they have an advantage there because they usually are getting the ball further back. There's not much mm-hmm. pressure on them, so it's easier for them to carry play forward. But he's only behind four center backs. Uh, in terms of progressing the ball forward. And but and Tim Ream, by the way, is one of them. Um, Neto also ranks among top wide players for average carry distance. Uh, he's fourth behind Matoma, Kulosevsky, and Bukayo Saka for total progressive carries. When this guy is on the ball, it's just all attack, attack, attack. He's become ruthless. He's added assists to his game. Uh, right now, he's one of my favorite players to watch in this league. And he has... Like when, if Wolves are on TV, like, I don't know, I'm not, I wouldn't stop what I'm doing, but I, I feel like quietly every year, the Premier League kind of presents a hidden gem. Like I think Brentford might've been it last year. I, I feel like Wolves are an early candidate for me for Premier League hidden gem status this season. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think so. I know it's tight down there. They are in 14th and, and just a, a few points away from clubs that are struggling, but on Neto. Watching him is he's one of those players. I think Matoma last season uh ticked this box. Like every time he gets the ball, I'm on the edge of my seat. I'm I'm engaged. I'm watching what he's doing. There's something old school about him in the way that he can he can take someone on. Um he's been in he's played every single minute of the season so far. And he's uh he's been I, I love this stat the transfer market give you. 67% of the goal participation. Like he is everything to them. And now we're hearing about massive bids in January from him. Arsenal are supposed to be really interested. Uh, we know how Wolves operate as a selling club. He's 23. It's a great age. It's a really great age. Um, yeah, he's he's brilliant. But I, I again, I, I just hate the inevitability of him ending up at, I mean, God knows if Todd Bowley finds out about him. Good Lord. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, another thing I wanted to mention here, JJ, like you referenced earlier, we've now hit the second international break of the Premier League season, and that Tottenham drop-off that we're all waiting for, it has yet to come, and they are top. They are top of the table at the sec- at the second international break. They've scored in every game this season. They haven't lost yet this season. Um, it's their best start to a season since 1980 and it's happening in a year that was supposed to be a major transition year due to like a hugely dramatic change style of play wise at manager. 
they lost arguably their greatest player since uh, Jimmy Greaves and Kane. This is, I mean, maybe you thought it could be good, but I, no one, no one thought that you'd be getting what you're getting here. Um, and the win that they had over the weekend to go top against Luton, you know, it was kind of, it was an interesting one, kind of another one of these like gritty wins. They blew tons of opportunities in this game. I don't know if you saw the first half. They had a halftime XG of 1.72 and didn't have a goal to show for it. Three big chances missed. And then they top it off at the end of the half with Eve Basuma picking up his second yellow for simulation, definite second yellow. I don't know what he was thinking. He wasn't thinking. Uh, and it's a shame because he's been one of their best players. Now they're going to, they missed him for the second half. They're going to miss him for another game. And so you think, oh, all these blown opportunities, we've let Luton stick around and now we're going to be down a man for the second half. But right yeah. away, they don't, you know, they they didn't really change. James Madison with a brilliant move gets the ball to Mickey Vandeven, who scores and Tottenham were able to see it out from there uh, and win it one nil to go top. And, you know, I saw after the game, JJ, Danny Higginbotham, uh, who we love on this podcast, he sent out a tweet, which kind of echoes something that I've been saying since really since the day Conte signed and something that I believe even more strongly today. Danny Higginbotham posted after the game, he said, Spurs in a very good place. Mentality shift is huge. Seems to be a situation where a manager and players now consider themselves fortunate to be playing for the club and all have a point to prove. Too often yeah. in recent years, it seemed that it was the other way around. JJ, how many times did I say that about Mourinho oh my, and Conte? Mainly a Conte. Times. Mainly Conte, who it seemed like hated every second of being a part of Tottenham. But just they all, it's like the Tottenham are hiring these managers that viewed the club as some sort of rest stop on the way to the destination that they really wanted to be at. And everyone could feel that and sense it. Like I said, Mourinho probably a little, I think he hit it a lot better. Um, but Conte, absolutely, you're lucky to have me. Like that feeling is gone from this club. It starts with the manager and it trickles down. Every guy there, uh, I think, is just fully in. And I think the results are are reflecting it. Um, so, yeah, Tottenham, top of the table. Before we leave this game, though, I had one question for you. Yes. I need you to help me with something. So this was on TNT before the match. Uh, they were interviewing um, Luton midfielder Peli Ruddick Mpanzu on facing Tottenham. And he said this. He said, I am Arsenal through and through. So a Tottenham result would hurt me. I need to crunch James Madison early. I'm going to try to get as close as possible to Yves Basuma and Pop Mater Sar. Is this okay? No. Okay. <laughs> no. Crunch James Madison, Pop Sar. The main um, thing is I'm Arsenal through and through. I need to crunch James Madison early. The other ones about Basuma and Popsar are, aren't too bad, but the the Madison one is a little close to the edge. If I were a referee and I heard that, I would pull him aside before the match and say, I heard what you said. I'll be watching you. Well, I mean, the FA has powers to take like to take action, bringing the game into disrepute, things like that. And it has been, happened before. Things have been written in books and retrospective action has been taken. Roy Keane in, in particular on Alf Inga Haaland. We all remember that. Now, that was a pretty extreme case. But still, I don't I don't like, I got to crunch someone. I don't care about him saying he's Arsenal through and through. I don't, don't, don't really care about it. Although, how through and through he is when Luton Town have to play Arsenal is, uh, is a curious one for me. This is um, a thing, JJ. My American brain has a bit of a hard time with this. You don't hear on. this. You don't hear this stuff really over here. Guys who grew up, like you might know that somebody grew up rooting for a team, but like, when he winds up at another team, it dies there. 
Like you don't hear him say how much, you know, I love this team. So I'm going to play harder against their rival. Like, I don't, I've never heard that here in any sport, really. No, you only hear it when a player is long time associated with another club and then he ends up or another team and he ends up at a, at a different team. And he's like, nothing for but love for the Philly fans. I had seven amazing years there, but you know, it's business on Sunday, blah, blah, blah. Um, yeah, you do hear this though. We remember Matt Doherty, an Arsenal fan signing for Tottenham and they made a joke out of it because he was so Arsenal that he had to go through his tweets and delete some of them, you know? Um, yeah, it's interesting. So it does, no, it, it, it does happen. Uh, I, I, Kenilworth Road is, uh, is, is magnificent. It's absolutely brilliant. Every time there was a different camera angle, I saw another piece of a jigsaw stand. <laughs> like it's like, it's been put together with pictures of like, um, Someone has taken stadiums, lower league stadiums of England and cut out like multiple parts of different stands and then put them together in a collage. And then you get Kenilworth Road. Amazing. Yeah. It's like a Picasso painting. It is. It is like Picasso. Very much so. Um, one other thing I wanted to mention from over the weekend. One, one of these guys who's probably also one of my people, uh, but we haven't really talked about him all that much this season because he's been kind of hot and cold. Raheem Sterling. Chelsea have struggled this year. That is well-documented. His performance, I thought, over the weekend was one of the best individual performances I've seen from a player in a game so far this season. He was incredible. Yes. Um, Burnley defenders are going to be having nightmares about him for some time after this. Scored a goal, earned a penalty, played another uh, a big role in setting up another Chelsea goal. He was just, I mean, he was at the center of everything. They, they wound up winning 4-1 after going down a goal early on, but... He was sensational. It was, I mean, he's only 28. So I feel weird saying it was like a throwback performance because he's still pretty young. Um, but you haven't seen it quite as much. He was left off of the England squad, which I think maybe lit a fire under him because I don't think by any means does he want to be done with his national team duty. Uh, so he's got to kind of replay his way into Gareth Southgate's good graces, maybe, which shouldn't be that hard. It feels like usually if, if Gareth Southgate likes you, you got a job for life. If If certain other players are... Are, uh, but there's such a barrage of attacking talent that the, the and there's been a clamor all the time if it's not Grealish, Saka, um, to be included in these squads. Ollie Watkins lately, you know, there's always someone around the corner. England seem to have like a plethora of these these players coming through, and 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 Sterling's been a player that has divided opinion in an England shirt. So, um, yeah, it's yeah. his his place is not guaranteed. Yeah, especially now, like James Madison is playing so well. For for years, Southgate was, I think, a lot of England fans wanted to see Madison in the squad, but Southgate could kind of get away with it. He can't. I don't think he can anymore. Madison's no. been one of the three to five best players in the league so far this season, so that could be another one that maybe moves ahead of Sterling. But Sterling was so good in this game. But something I found a, a bit peculiar, peculiar afterwards, uh, was Mauricio Pochettino, a man who I adore. His reaction to it, he was asked about Sterling's impressive display. Pochettino said, it's his job, no, to play well. All players try to play well, and today mm. he was well. Now, he did continue by adding a little more praise. Uh, he went on to say, quote, he was involved in the goals, and I'm so happy for him and so happy for the team. But I don't know. I mean, he's gone full Roy Keane there. Little, Yeah, well, I, yeah. in the article I read, I think they, that's who they even referenced. Was That's what Roy Keane says all the time. Goalkeeper makes it. That's what a goalkeeper does. It's his job. <laughs> yeah, a little tepid. 
I'm yeah, a little bit. I'm curious as to why that happened. I don't know. I don't know. Um, you got anything else from the weekend in the Premier League before we move on? Uh, I do not, uh, okay. Andrew. I am. I'm looking forward to this next international segment. Well, let's go to Syria then, JJ. Oh, Alcio. JJ has Olivier Giroud stumbled across the next act of his already illustrious career. Do you do you refer to his replacing of uh, Mike Mannion in goal? Uh, and became to enter the hall of fame of outfield players that have played in goal, which is just wonderful when they're called upon to do this. Um, by the way, what's your favorite example of this? Because I've I've actually got my favorite example of an outfield player playing in goal. Um, so when Kane was in the midst of his rise early on with Spurs, one of his early real breakthrough performances was in the Europa League against I think it was against Ludogorets. Uh, and he scored a hat trick, and then was it? I'm trying to remember if Lloris got sent off or whoever was it. Vorm. I don't even know who was keep was goalkeeper for Spurs that night. Someone got sent off, and he, after scoring a hat trick on that same night, he then winds up as their backup keeper. So he puts on the shirt. Um, now the only problem is it was. I think he did make a save, um, but it was sullied a little bit because then he let in a bad, a really bad goal. Yeah, it dribbled under him. Yeah, and I think that affected the the memory of it a little bit because he had the hat trick and because it was it was kind of viewed as like a fun thing. Oh, ha ha! Harry let one in. Like so, but like scoring a hat trick in the same game in which you play goalkeeper, I think is is a wild thing. I think Pele. I was reading. I think at ESPNFC they documented a bunch of them. I think Pele did that once, where wow. he had a hat trick and played goalkeeper in the same game. But I gotta believe that you could probably count on like one hand the number of times something like that has happened. I don't know if this tops it, but uh, your Harry Kane one. But uh, April twentieth, nineteen ninety one, Manchester City versus Derby County. Uh, Niall Quinn scored early on and saved a penalty. Oh, as City beat Derby County two one relegating Derby in the process. Um, City goalkeeper Tony Coton was sent off before halftime for fouling Dean Saunders to concede the penalty. That's that's a great one. John so, Terry yeah. wound up in goal for Chelsea when, when Czech and Kudicini both were knocked unconscious at different Amazing. points in the same game. Yeah. John O'Shea played against Tottenham, wasn't it? Uh, in goal for United after um can't remember who it was. Uh the time was in goal and um pulled off some brilliant saves to uh preserve a victory for uh, United. I do love seeing that happen. <laughs> I really do. Um by the way, let's not bury the lead here. Christian Pulisic with a a cracking goal, dramatic goal to sink Genoa. Uh, and win the game for AC Milan. Here's the the audio. Now, I don't know what Italian TV company does this. If it's AC Milan's in-house TV company, maybe some of our Serie A listeners can help us out with this, but uh, here is the call in Italian of Pulisic's winner for AC Milan at the weekend. Musa prepara il cross. Bella palla. Goal! A 
Yes, we can. Yes, we did. I uh, amazing, uh, actually. Uh, is it amazing. is it weird, JJ? Like, I, do am I wrong in thinking that for whatever reason, American players in Europe, like them being American, is so much more a part of their identity than it feels like most other players are. Is am I just am I heightened no. to it because I'm American? A thousand percent. If that was Why a German is that? player, Why is that? I was a German player. He he wouldn't start pretending to do an umpa band or something like that. You know, <laughs> it's yeah. very strange. Yeah, yeah, it is odd. It, it is odd, and also to delve into like like when Giroud campaign. made the save as a keeper, he didn't start singing the Les Marseillais or anything like no, that. Like no, 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 or or um, yeah, I was trying to think of other French things there and came up very short. <laughs> um. Yeah, but uh, to delve into, you know, party slogans like Obama's, yes, we can. Um, I was just yeah. thinking maybe maybe this opens the door. Maybe this guy is going to branch out a bit and use different uh, different election slogans from the past decade or two decades for for his next calls. Like if 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 Pulisic comes off the bench and scores, will he say in Italian, obviously, oh, that's change we can believe in. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, nice. Um and uh I mean say Hillary Clinton from 2008 her um not successful uh, democratic run uh nomination run one of hers was ready for change ready to lead. So what 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 about you know you know when the Pulisic someone goes is substituted off the captain comes off and he hands the captain's armband to Pulisic ready for change, ready to lead. Maybe that, he'll shout that. That feels like a really dramatic thing to say at a substitution. <laughs> I, don't know if that, I don't know if that quite fits the moment. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, if he gets injured, and then he gets up, plays on, and then scores when they're 1-0 down, it could be heal, inspire, revive. Do you know who that was? Uh, No. Ben Carson. I mean, that's why I don't know. <laughs> you, uh, have, I mean, Jeb, you have gone really deep here. Yeah, Jeb. Jeb Bush has given us nothing. Absolutely, that's nothing. that's not true. His, his was Jeb. Yeah. So if if former MLS utility man standout Jeb Brofsky ever winds up in Syria, I think we, he's he's got one right there for him. Jeb. Wait, oh boy, oh, wait, God. wait till this guy unearths Howard Dean's campaign. Oh my God! And what the, was and Howard the, Dean's slogan? I don't know. I just remember his scream. Yeah, the Howard Dean scream. Yeah, and then we're going to where was he saying? We're going to Wyoming, and then we're going to Iowa, and then we're going to you. Like, ah! Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. That's brilliant. There's, there's other ones that just don't work. Uh, George W. Bush in 2000, compassionate conservatism. Oh, I know what. Yeah. Um, if a team is losing, if if Milan are winning like seven nil in the Italian Cup against a low side, 
and Pulisic is in one-on-one with the goalkeeper and he misses on purpose, on purpose, that would be compassionate conservatism. Yeah. I feel like maybe that's like kind of, could that be the way like Deitch plays or? Oh yeah. Compassionate. Well, that's passionate conservatism. Yeah. Maybe not. Yeah. 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 Interesting. Oh, yeah. Very interesting. <laughs> what yes, the hell we am I can. Doing yes, we can. Yes, we can. Howard Dean's was Dean for America. I mean, I mean, I guess if uh, if Mike Dean ever wound up officiating games again in the U.S. <laughs> oh, if Dean, if Dean, if Dean gets the job that Howard Webb had, he- head of MLS referees, then he could say Dean for America. Yeah. Um, yeah. John John Kerry's presidential campaign alternative slogan was "Let America be America again." Hmm. I, I can't do anything with that. You're giving yeah, me nothing, John. That's tough. Nothing. So, um, all right. Yeah, there we go. Oh, that's very good. Um, <laughs> it, sh- it should be noted also. So Pulisic scored. Sorry, if they sign the center half, if AC Milan sign the center half, build back better. Huh? Uh, that's pretty good. Pretty good. Um, so, or, oh, 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 one more from the Biden campaign. Uh, AC Milan fans are outraged that they're signing an Irish player called Philip Malarkey. No malarkey. That was that was the you that was know, that was Biden's slogan. He it was it was used by the Biden campaign. No malarkey. I'm you know the way he that. leaned into being having like Irish ancestors and that. And you know, if you're talking guff, that's no malarkey. No? I thought his I thought his slogan was, "It's called soccer." Oh, we're gonna get him! Hey, Mister President, catch! No, heads up. Then he's, he has, you oh, can't catch. Heads up? Yeah, it's soccer. He can't catch. He can't use his hands. Listen, if I'm kicking a ball to Joe Biden, I'm not screaming heads up. I am waving and roaring and shouting and like making it very clear that I'm kicking this ball at this octogenarian. Okay. Called soccer. Um, imagine, imagine he was knocked out <laughs> a White House lawn from an errant Tyler Adams <laughs> lump downfield. Um, JJ, along the lines with this game, I should note, uh, Men in Blazers tweeted this. Uh, so Gazetto della Sport, they do like their kind of match ratings afterwards. Boy, they're they're loving on the U.S. right now. They're right lock, in lockstep with this announcer. Um, they said that Pulisic, quote, played like a champion. And they noted that Yunus Musa was like, quote, three players in one. It's going pretty good right now for these Americans at AC Milan. God, um, we need validation wherever we can get it. Like well, we, it's unbelievable. That's okay. That's we need no. It's it's everywhere in U.S. soccer. This absolute craving for it. I think we all go to bed with our partners, and in the midst of of passionate lovemaking, we just whisper, "Validate me. <laughs> Tell me I'm good at soccer." Look, I'm I'm I don't. Maybe some people will deny it. I will scream from every mountaintop in this country that I have an enormous soccer inferiority complex oh it's it's crippling as i think it, as long as you're willing to i don't like the the americans that hide and that hide from it embrace it yeah, yeah i need it i need to hear this validation i need the sally field you like me and when we get it it makes me feel good that's how i feel about it um let's come back now jj along those lines to the u.s because mls is it's into the dying embers of the regular season Thank God we're finally we're right at the doorstep of the playoffs. 
Um, it's amazing our reaction to MLS is that, oh, thank God, most of it's over. Well, the playoffs are just so much fun. They are. They're better. Although they're they're going to really, they're changing. The format's changed this season, right? Yeah. And not, I'm, I'm surprised that they're not making a, a an, an on-the-fly change to somehow a lot. Oh, yeah, this year we, uh, we've taken upon the decision to allow in this year's League's Cup winner. Who, who was that? Oh, oh, Inter-Miami. Oh, okay, you're in now. But no, at the at time of recording, there is no there is no stipulation, in fact, that will allow this year's League's Cup winner in to MLS Cup. And that means I've JJ. Heard, I've heard I've heard actually what they're doing for for the playoffs is and each each team will be allowed to do this if you have a certain amount of consecutive passes in the game or a certain amount of shots on target, then you're allowed to hit the red button, which releases Lionel Messi to play for you for the remainder of the game. That's good. I, I like that. I'd vote for that rule. Innovation. Um, but Inter Miami, they lost over the weekend to FC Cincinnati, the reigning newly anointed supporter shield winners. And that means that the team with Messi, Busquets, Jordi Alba, Joseph Martinez, Ben Kremeshi, they're they're out. They're out. Not going to the playoffs. Um, it's called the Phil Neville legacy. This this was actually an insane game. <laughs> Um, especially for one that ended one nil early on. I mean, all within like the first 20 minutes, Thomas Avila smashed the crossbar, mm. uh, which led to a, it comes off the bar and then goes right back. Cincinnati's way leads to a chance for them at the other end. Wasn't converted. Joseph Martinez. Then a few minutes later, he hits the inside of the post. Ben Kremeshi shortly after that hits the crossbar Cincinnati. Then they come back, hit the inside of the cross of the post off a corner kick. I mean, it was chaos. And ultimately, in the end, it was a bad giveaway late in this one that doomed Inter Miami as uh, Alvaro Barriel pounced on a, a fat rebound, placed it in the far corner of the net, and that was it. That sunk Miami. Um, Messi came on as a sub, played the last 35 minutes of this one, but uh wasn't enough. It was not enough. And they're out. They're out. And uh, it is, I suppose, fittingly, FC Cincinnati is the one who bounced on the team who just won the supporter shield, the best team in the league. As I've been sitting here, much of the I've seen some of the comments. There are some people who have not liked hearing me say that Inter Miami might be the best team in the league. They I don't think I don't think I'm crazy for saying it. Um but health obviously matters. And you know, Messi, Jordi Alba, if these guys can't stay healthy, then that's that's a huge part of it. But I do think if we saw the version of Inter Miami that we saw during the League's Cup, um I don't know who There'd be, I think uh, there'd be some matchups I'd like to see. I, I guess I'll I'll put it that way. I mean, Pat Noonan was enraged by your comments. I know. Because Pat Noonan is convinced now that he is champion of America. Pat Noonan is petitioning to not play the uh, the playoffs because it's better to win the Supporter Shield again, according to old Noonie boy. Well, we'll see if they can do the rare Supporter Shield MLS Cup double. It's not easy to pull off. I'm rooting for them. I won't go that far. Um, and then JJ also, before we get out, need to mention that Wayne Rooney announces that he is parting ways with DC United. Although I guess the club also announced it. Um, interesting tenure for him there. They definitely got better, uh, in his second season. It wasn't, uh, they're not going to the playoffs, but it, I wouldn't say that it was disastrously bad, but it was also not quite good enough. 
They've got a new general manager coming in. It, it kind of just makes sense. Um, the club CEO and co-chairman Jason Levine told DCUnited.com, quote, we've spoken with Wayne and agreed it is best for us to part ways at this time. The decision creates the avenue for our next general manager to have the full opportunity to impart a new philosophy and structure onto our sporting operations, which begins with the critical identification of a head coach who will best align with this. We are grateful to Wayne Rooney for all he has done for our club and for soccer in the nation's capital. First as a DC United player and captain, and most recently as our coach, he remains an important part of the DC United family and a valued and cherished friend. Should be noted, JJ, that in the statement, he was not welcomed back to the club. This this went exactly as we thought it would. Um, <clears throat> me and you said on the pod, this feels like he's going to come over get some more experience under his belt after Derby County, and the next job that he feels is big enough, he's going to go and take it, and that's Birmingham City. That's the rumor we're hearing. So, I mean, not shocked at all. Did DC United get better? I think they did. Uh, Jeff Carlisle says Rooney's exit should be a wake-up call for DC United. DC United continue to be an organization that is running in circles. There is no plan that the organization isn't willing to abandon if a season goes sideways. Hmm. The departure of manager Wayne Rooney is merely the latest iteration of that habit. Um, uh, it's a good piece by Jeff. Uh, so if you want to read that on on DC United, it's, I, I think there's more structural problems there and more kind of identity. Like who do this, who do they want this team to be? Uh, so, so I'm not shocked by this at all. And Rooney's walking into a tough job because we don't talk about, I mean, Birmingham is such a big city, but we talk about Villa. We talk a little bit about West Brom, but mostly, mostly Villa. Like Birmingham is a massive club. Yeah. And that's, that's not going to be easy uh, for Rooney. Um, so interesting to see how he goes there. Kind of, they're sixth in the championship. Yeah. So there's expectations. Um kind of surprised that they've gone for Rooney. I, the stuff he did at Derby was was good under extraordinarily difficult circumstances, but he's hardly pulled up any trees in uh, MLS. But um, but there he is. Yeah. He will be... I was going to say he'll be an employee of Tom Brady. That's not really true. But, no? Uh, yeah. Is that not true? It's not. I saw Martin Calladine uh, tweeting about the ownership of Birmingham City, and he said over two months or whatever it is after the hoopla about Tom Brady being involved, there is actually no uh, registering a company's house that Tom Brady is a shareholder or owner or anything yet of Birmingham City. Huh? Seems to have been some kind of a ploy. I'm confused. I don't, I don't know what to believe anymore. What, what, what do you mean? What, what's confusing you? Well, I thought Brady was a part owner. Yeah. Apparently not. Well, Let me I'm just pull up the tweet while we're at it. So Martin Callendite at Ugly Game, um, author of Fit and Proper People. You can uh, you can imagine what this is about. Um, he said, two and a bit months on from Tom Brady's much ballyhooed purchase of a stake in Birmingham City. Still no clarity on the size of a shareholding. He doesn't appear on the updated senior execs list and the new owners are in breach of EFL ownership disclosure requirements. The Birmingham City website claims to be correct as of July 2023, but the ownership disclosure, which is supposed to reveal the identity of, 
identity of anyone who is the ultimate beneficial owner of 10% plus of the club remains that of the previous owners. So where are you, Tommy? Hmm. Very interesting. Very interesting. All right. Well, all the best to Wayne in whatever, uh, if if it is Birmingham City. I, I like Wayne Rooney. I'll, I hope he does well. Good for him. Um, JJ, I got nothing else. Uh, obviously, we're in an international break now. U.S. Germany coming up over the weekend. Yeah. Uh, so uh, we have that to look forward to. See how two our, struggling teams. See how our boys do against uh, against the Germans. Um, and then I, I don't know the recording schedule for the rest of this week. We'll see how how the how things transpire. Hey, let's keep it free and breezy. Sure. Yeah, we'll do that. Uh, you got anything else? No, I'm good, Pop. Okay, I'm gonna go upstairs now and eat my feelings. Um, and not what i i need a break from sports i'll, I'll reconvene oh with sports. you know what's great right now the news because lots of fun things are <laughs> happening in the world i did I, I watched part one of the beckham documentary oh yeah i love it so far i oh. i really oh, oh boy i can see from oh, go on. no go i'm on. into it I'm, i i love it so, so far and uh i can't wait maybe i'll start the second one while i eat a bag of m&ms <laughs> you do that um yeah, we need to do a full review of this. So okay. can we arrange to have this watched by the next time we record this week? No, no, I can't promise that. Right. No, I, I, I'll try. I'm only to... up, there's, it's four parts. I've seen part one. Oh, it's four parts, yeah. The bit about where he changes his haircut must be an entire episode. Uh, <laughs> well, have, you watched, have you watched any of it yet? Yes, I've watched episode one and I'm into episode two and they are stretching out the uh, the aftermath. I'm in the middle of the aftermath of the Arge- Argentina yeah, the kick, the sending off at France '98 into the following season. The Fisher Stevens and the guys are, I think, are doing a good job. Beckham, obviously, not the most introspective or cerebral character in the world, but I am enjoying it definitely. It, and if if nothing else, it's a nostalgia trip. The sequencing of games and the perception of the '99 Beckham's start to the '1998-'99 season, the treble winning season, is askew for me. Huh. Okay. Yeah. I'm not I, I, there yet. I just finished part one. Okay. All right. All right. Well, I'm enjoying it. And uh, yeah, we'll we'll try to both have it done as, as soon as we can, and then we'll give a full review. Uh, nice. JJ, I enjoyed this. It was it was a nice diversion from my anger. Uh, to you, I say... Check you later, phone boy. I'll see you. Goodbye, Andrew. You've been listening to the Caught Offside Soccer Podcast. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.